Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. It's me, your judge, John Hodgman. Father's Day is just around the corner if you're in the United States uh, or in the UK. Uh, if you're in Switzerland or Lithuania, it happened a long time ago. Ooh, Tonga, that was May 17th for you. Third Sunday in June in most of these countries, Malaysia, Maldives, Malta, Mauritius, Mexico, Namibia, Netherlands, Nigeria, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, United States, United Kingdom, that's a whole big one. But guess what? If you're in Nicaragua or Poland, you've got a couple extra days of gift shopping time. And whew, if you're in Luxembourg, you don't have to get something for your dad until the first Sunday in October. Thailand, it's December 5th. Anyway, it's Father's Day coming up. And it got us thinking about some of our favorite Weird Dad episodes. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, you may not know that the court of Judge John Hodgman uh, has long been a magnet for disputes usually surrounding and or involving dads of a certain age with quirky habits and systems. We call them Weird Dads. I've been weird dadding out myself lately as we've all been home together wearing a lot of track pants and making my kids watch a lot of movies and telling a lot of corny jokes. This week, we are taking a journey through the court archives to bring you some of our top weirds. We're going to start with an old one, all the way back from episode 32, the cow beef. In this one, Ted complains that his father, Paul, is obsessed with cows. No, I'm, I'm going to, I'll confess, this is a, a peek behind the podcast curtain. I'm reading this, right? I'm not just saying this off the top of my head. I can't remember that this is episode 32 unless it's written down for me. And now that I'm reading it, I can't believe what I'm reading because I'm remembering it. It's such, it's such an incredible, such an incredible weird dad. Not only does Paul have a massive cow collection, he also says the word cow randomly. You have to hear it to believe it. Ted wants Paul to tone down the cow talk. Ugh. You know, I was going to make myself a cup of coffee, but I'm actually going to I'm actually going to hang around and listen with you to that case now. Let's take a listen. Uh, Why do you worship uh, cows and defend cows against the whole world, even your mean son? Uh, because cows are, are our most important animal friends. Left to their own devices, cows would lead a, a zen-like existence, uh, content to search for enlightenment, nirvana, and uh, large fields of tender young grass. Uh, you know, we should emulate the cows in this busy world that we're in. Uh, we could learn a great deal from their calm acceptance of, uh, of fate, such as it is. How do you react to your son's description of your interest in cows as a obsession and possibly psychological disorder? Well, um, upon occasion, it's necessary to say cow rather as a mantra, uh, which indicates that I am going through a, a recentering moment when I've reached uh, the end of one thought and you know, moving on into another one. Uh, you realize, of course, that the universal ohm is simply moves spelled backwards. How often do you say cow during the day in order to recenter yourself? <laughs> it's not uh, countable. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'll have order, thank you. This is your father's chance. Um, I don't know. I suppose a half dozen times, maybe more. Oh, that's... Uh, what? Excuse me, I will have order. Oh, My wife uh, says that I, I simply shout cow upon occasion when I'm looking for attention. 
Now, do you uh, s- I, do you I, say cow? Do you intone cow? Do you chant cow, or do you shout cow? Uh, no, I just simply say cow. 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 Like I, I, oh wait, wait, wait! All I right. got to object. All right, I'll hear it. He actually does say it more than half a dozen times a day. What would be like your guess of how many times he says it? Thirty to forty. And Thirty to forty. Stop! A, Stop talking, yeah. Paul. That's a big discrepancy. Which is true? Um, um, I can't imagine that I say it that many times. Cow. Uh, except me. Cow. That was me. That was cow. me. Don't cow. be blaming your father for that. I like. Okay, good. Okay, I, I might, I might give him a little edge on that and say maybe ten to fifteen times a day. Okay, <laughs> Ted. Uh-huh. Stop, yep. la- stop laughing and making uh, sad trombone sounds. All right, you know what? Here's what's going to be useful to me. Let's take a moment to do a little bit of role-playing so I can get a sense of what's going on in Ted's mind when you're having one of these phone calls. Let's say, for example, Paul, if you will indulge me, you pretend to be your son, Ted, calling, to, okay. calling your father to ask for money or whatever it is he does. And Ted, you pretend to be your father, Paul, and you uh, give us a sense of what it feels like to you to talk to Paul on the phone. All right. Are you ready? I'm going to make a telephone okay. noise. I'm going to make a telephone noise until Ted initiates the conversation by picking up. So hang on. The real Ted pretending to be Paul. Hello. Not yet. We're going to do three. Hi, Dad. Now go. Hi, Ted. How are you? I'm fine. Well, I'm fine, too. I saw a cow today. You saw a cow? You must have yes, been watching. Yes, I did. Where did you see a cow? You were in downtown Atlanta. I was watching television, and I saw a cow, and it was really neat, and it had horns and hooves and all sorts of other things. Were you watching a movie like, say, Silverado? It was on an ad. Oh, okay. Was it the California cows? It was the California cows. Oh, did you they vote for happy the, cows? Happy cows give us the best dairy products. Did you vote for your favorite California cow? Are you Wait sure a minute. You're playing me? Yeah, I don't think <laughs> Paul. I don't think you're playing your son. And Ted, Ted, yeah. you never said cow once. And by my reckoning, you should have already said it eight times if your if your math was correct. I actually said cow twice. It was a delightful conversation to overhear, I have to say, but it didn't neither of your arguments a particularly good amount of support. Ted, you didn't say cow as a as a recentering device or as an ohm like chant at all. And Paul, you just you just marched right in. You could not help yourself but start talking about cows again. All right. Paul, did you do some great injustice to cows that you now feel you must make some karmic restitution by being their champion in the world? No, no, uh, this is simply a, a realization that cows have been extremely important uh, to the rise of civilization and, of course, to our country. Uh, it is, after all, cows that won the West. Go on. Well, the cows... Uh, the cows I, I could, that's, not, that's not a statement you just drop into conversation without having <laughs> a follow-up or, indeed, giving me a look demanding a follow-up question. But, well, sir, I believe it was cowboys who won the West. Uh, not at all. The cows simply took them along for uh, uh, protection. Wild animals, perhaps, because some wild animals do indeed uh, want to prey on cows. Sure. But, so the ca- Man, cow for example. Yes. Uh, but the cows, uh, the cows moved westward uh, to find uh, you know, greener pastures, if you will. Uh, one of the problems the cowboys had, of course, was that the cows might stampede. Cows love to swim. 
And uh, after a hard day of marching uh, across the prairie, if they smelled water, uh, they would immediately want to run for it, uh, shouting to, to each other, last one ends an old cow's tail. And on the way they would go, and the cowboys would have to dissuade them from stampeding toward the nearest water. Are you saying that cows in the Old West could speak English? Cows speak to us all the time. Oh, this, actually- this is getting very heavy. Judge Hodgman, I have important news. Yes, go ahead. I've just received an email communique from Judge John Hodgman producer Julia Smith. Yes. It features an attachment with a photograph of an elderly madman that I can only presume is Paul. Oh, yeah. Dressed in a cow suit with cow udders on his man junk. And wait a minute. Who, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Of milk with cow gloves. Order. Order. Ted. Yes, sir. You're the. You're you. Are, is that you cackling in the background? I can't help it. No, I'm sorry. You're you on. will help it. You will help it. I will not have a son laughing at his father in my courtroom. That is not acceptable to me. Who sent this photograph? I did. Very good. Paul, is this you in this in this cow outfit? Yes, it is. Have you seen the picture? I am looking at it now. Okay. You see, I have my milk pail there. I uh, do. Ready to, ready to dispense milk chocolate to the Halloween trick-or-treaters. What kind of sick cow wears tiny cows on his cow hand? <laughs> oh, I, was, I was simply holding the cows. Uh, the cow in my right hand is, is actually a hand puppet that, uh, that Ted gave me. Uh, the cows are named Dexter and Gordon. After um, the great jazz success, sexophonist? Uh, well, yes, but there's also a breed of cattle known as the Dexter. These are, are miniature cows, uh, essentially from Ireland, and uh, they can be kept as house pets. Um, however, uh, living in suburban what? Atlanta, we are rather restricted on the kinds of pets we can keep. So wait a minute. I, see, th- this is the reason why I didn't want Ted cackling in the background, because I need to hear every word. I want to hear more about that. Oh, well, the Dexter is a particular breed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a similar breed from Australia, which I believe are called the low-lying Angus cattle. Uh, low-lying? Be... Are they like the corgis of cows? Do they have little tiny legs? Uh, yes, they have, they have short legs and uh, smaller bodies. And uh, they're, they're bred especially for uh, uh, meat in particular, I think. I don't right. think you want to milk them. But you keep them in the house? Like, will they curl up on the hook rug? I don't know. They may come into your house and, and sleep at the foot of your bed. You know, in Hindu uh, tradition, in Hindu tradition, you would not uh, you would not move into a home until you had allowed a cow to walk through it. Uh, I, unfortunately, I have stairs in my house, and the cows are not too good at stairs. They're fine going up, but they have a terrible time going back down again. But maybe you get one of these little Dexter cows and you walk them through one time. It'd be a grand thing to do but I, I don't have access to a Dexter cow at the moment. So I simply named one of my favorite cows Dexter. Cow. 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 I've, people, people, random people have, now I remember that random people often come up to me on the street and just whisper in my ear, cow. All right, let's move on. Many, many more weirds to come. In episode 244, Commedia della Morte, we spoke with Joseph, who would like a ma- Jennifer Marmer is our incredible producer. I want to thank her again for thinking of doing this episode, this clip show of Weird Dads, because it's so glorious, and for, and for putting all these words 
back in front of my eyes, putting all these memories back in front of my brains. Joseph wants a mime to perform at his funeral. His son, Jesse, is opposed to this idea. Let's go back in time and hear exactly what Joseph has in mind when he says he wants a mime to perform at his funeral. If you're a good parent and your children love you, the last thing you do to them is make them cry. So I thought, I certainly want my children to cry, but after they cry, I want them to laugh. So what a surprise it would be to have in the midst of all of this crying, because I assume there are going to be a lot of people there who are going to miss me and who are going to cry, to have a mime appear, unexplained, unintroduced, just appearing in his white mime makeup with a little tear painted on, under his eye and the striped shirt and just come in and do mimey things, eavesdrop on conversations, be trapped in a sure. box, as I will be trapped in a yeah, box it's and a so meta- forth. It's a metaphor for you, uh, your, in a, your, your inability to escape death. Um, okay. All right. I'll, I was an English teacher. I'll grant that. Uh, <laughs> unlike the, the one time I took a, a, a Shakespeare course uh, with the with the great uh, the great Shakespeare uh, scholar and literary critic Harold Bloom at Yale University, as uh, and I only took one semester of it, and I only said one comment. It was some b- totally banal interpretation of uh, uh, Macbeth or something, and Harold, where every other teacher in the world would say, "All right, that's an interesting idea. Let's explore this a little further." Harold Bloom said, "Oh no, my dear, you're wrong." That interpretation is incorrect <laughs> and moved on to a smarter student. But thank you for, <laughs> thank you for, uh, thank you for, uh, yesing me along. Unlike the, cr- the cruel Harold Bloom, um, with my, uh, with my uh, use of meme as metaphor for death, because the thing about mime is th- that un- unlike a-, a clown or a stand-up comedian, or frankly, semaphore, uh, they're not designed to be hilarious. They're designed to be, uh, provocative of contemplation and and uh, weirdness and silence. You know what I mean? Yes. Does that play into your thinking, or you just wanted something weird to happen? I just wanted something weird to happen. Yeah. I don't think you thought it Sounds through. Sounds about right. I, well, <laughs> uh, I I uh, I don't know. I don't know whether you thought this all the way through then, because a good a good meme has never made anyone laugh, and arguably neither has a bad meme. Uh, and by and meme, by the way, for you listening along at home, I'm not obviously talking about M E M E from the internet. I'm talking about the French pronunciation of mime, which is meme. It's one of my many dumb affectations. Where in the course of the ceremony, first of all, what 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 kind of funeral service do you anticipate having? A, a religious uh-huh. service, a, a graveside service, non-religious. What what do you anticipate? Well, um, I will be cremated. However, it's traditional to have a wake. It used to be a three-day wake. I'd settle for one day. Um, Jesse, I love you dearly, Jesse. Uh, Jesse is very serious, but he also has my sense of humor, which is very interesting. Um, He said that I'm making a joke about life. I'm really making a joke about death. being dead sucks. I'm not looking forward to it. Objection, I just, Your Honor, hearsay. 
<laughs> Overruled. Uh, thank you, Look, Judge. You don't. You don't. I'm. I'm already allowing a million objections in my own mind because I asked jo Joseph a specific question, and he's starting to go off on how death sucks. And I'll let him, because out of de out of deference for fatherly wisdom, age, and uh, and courtesy to the those who are closer to death than I, please go on, sir. You were saying death, being dead sucks. Well, Jesse uh, envisions this as being an ongoing thing with a mime um, appearing for two days, three days, hanging out with the family and stuff. I'm thinking more along the lines of everyone is there; they all talk. And in, out of nowhere, comes this mime and just passes through the crowd, um, you know, and just sheds tears and is trapped in a box and walks against the wind and pulls the rope and then breezes through the crowd again and disappears. How long do you anticipate the mime act well, in, the, in the course of the day, a day-long uh -huh. day observation of mourning? You, there will be... You're going to be cremated, but will your urn be in the room? Oh, this will be this will be before I'm cremated. I want to be there to see this. Okay, I, see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's an option. Can I just clarify? Can I just clarify a couple a couple of things? It, when when you're talking about a three a three day wake, is it, oh no 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 that was traditional. I'm talking about a one in what, day. In what tradition are we talking here? Uh, in my old Italian family background tradition, it was, you know, usually it was a two-day, sometimes three-day. It's been scaled down. Give me, a give me a timeline. First of all, you pass away painlessly in your sleep. And, 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 um, and then, you know, usually the viewing is from uh, 2 o'clock, from, from 2 to, to 4, and then from 7 until 9. And let's say in, not in the... In the um, uh, the matinee performance, but in the evening performance, the seven to nine, the mime would appear. I would say the whole thing would probably take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and be gone. And then 10 years later, people would say, remember that wake we went to? I don't remember who it was, but there was a mime. There was a mime at that wake. And this is what I want to leave people with. Jesse, 15 minutes of mime in a two-hour viewing period is not acceptable? That is that is less than I thought it was going to be. To, to be honest with you, Judge, until a few months ago, I was really hoping and, and thought that this was just a long-time long joke that my father was telling. Because mm -hmm. um, he's been saying this to his, the family for years. Um, and, and it wasn't until I called my older sister and said, say, so how about this mime? Is this, is this for real? Uh, and she said, yes. And, and she has documents from my father, you know, re requesting, you know, with the directions that, to hire a mime after his death. And he has provided a, a CD with a soundtrack and everything. And, Wait, and so whoa, this, whoa, this whoa, is, whoa, 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 what soundtrack? <laughs> I, I put together a last list, which was uh, music that I wanted played, and um, on it is um, Warren Zebon's uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, mm -hmm. uh, Desperado, mm -hmm. yes. um, Who Knows Where the Time Goes. We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. 
That, that's good. Uh, by the way, Billy Joel is a graduate of Hicksville High, High School. Yes. Why do you think I made that joke? I don't know. They, okay. I just made. I just. I just. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Good to know. Um, yeah. So I, I, I've carefully gone through this. I again, it's a mixture of uh, sad and and funny songs, and I thought it would um, it would be in keeping with my personality. Joseph, let me ask you a question here. You keep saying that you want to leave people laughing, you want to leave people laughing, you want to leave people laughing. And I think that there's a, a lot of merit to that. But is the joke here, like, look at this goof. He got a mime, the worst thing, right? Or or is it that you actually have a love for the art of mime? Do you have a relationship with the art of mime that is meaningful to you? Well, I wouldn't say it's a love with the relationship with the art of mime. I just think it's... A mime is so contrary to the event, mm-hmm. the funeral, the wake, that you have to see the absurdity, the humor, the, my God, what, what is it with it? What, he had a mime at the wake. When people talk about it, and I hope they will, they'll say, wow, that was really unique. I have a friend who, who plans to give out uh, little keepsake um, keychains with his ashes in them. Mm. Um, I thought, what a great idea that is. Uh, um, my ex wants her ashes to be compressed into jewelry that our daughter and son will wear. That's, I mean, that's her. I don't think a mime is is that far far out of the ballpark here. Are you trying to keep up with the Joneses? Oh, no, no, no. My friend's putting all. his ashes in, in, in some <laughs> snow globes and giving them away. Why can't I have a mime? A mime My is going to... My friend is getting his ashes put into an above-ground pool, but I'm getting mine put into an in-ground pool. <laughs> uh, you have been planning this for some time, and some evidence was submitted to me, first of all, of a Photoshop of, I guess, uh, you or some person representing you in a casket with a big white beard and a giant beer belly. Uh, and standing next to you in, is a, a, a traditional mime in a striped shirt, sort of doing jazz hands in front of your face. And that's your, that's your, we're going to put this on the website, obviously. Please go to MaximumFun.org, <laughs> check it out, and you can see Joseph's vision. You made this this Photoshop collage yourself, sir, is that correct? Actually, the the uh, my face in the beard that was part of a Christmas card, uh-huh. and what I did was I took that top part with my face in there, and I put it in the in the coffin, and then I took the mime uh, from um, an ad. I don't remember what it was, and oh, the caption was. I can tell you exactly what it was. It was for State Farm Insurance because there are yes, a couple yes. of because there are a couple yes. of. There are a couple of awnings in the background of this photo. I just noticed that the State Farm logo and hmm. name on there. You're secretly no, no. an agent for State Farm. Don't no. deny it, sir. Do do the jingle like a good neighbor. State Farm is mime. <laughs> All right. So anyway, you, people can go look at that crypto advertisement on the website. But also provided to me was a poem that you wrote, Joseph, about this very subject. Do you have this poem in front of you? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, I, I have it up, Judge. Would you read it for me, please, Jesse? In the world without me, the sun still rises and shines. The moon paces through its phases, shows up sometime, confused in the daytime, but mostly at night. 
The stars remain obscured by New York City light. My adult children wake and sleep and work and maybe feel me there and gone and cry or laugh or both. My friends who haven't left the world before me might remember that wake of mine with a mime, that wake with a mime, unexplained, walking against the wind, trapped in a box, engaged in a tug of war, listening to conversations. If my adult children followed my last wishes and didn't just yes me to death and after decide what's best, my adult children, embarrassed sometimes, who made excuses for me frequently, indulged me often, accepted me flawed mostly, and gave me my silly life meaning always. Do you remember writing that, sir? <sighs> I do. That's a very good poem. <laughs> <If you>. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm, my father. I'm, I'm in tears. I'm in tears here. Wow. Oh, uh, sorry for the dead air there. I was just thinking about how how a, a mime podcast is not possible, right? Ever think about that? No, if you're a mime and you can't perform in theaters right now, you can't do what every other comedian is doing and start a podcast. You can't do it. There's no mime podcasting. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear about a classic weird dad archetype, the dad joker. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, you can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, 
especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. <sighs> I remember the day that we recorded this one. This is an, incre this is an incredible one. I, it's about dad jokes. And I've told this story often. Perhaps you've heard it before. Perhaps I even told it on this episode of the podcast. I don't remember. We've been doing the podcast for 10 glorious years. And I'm getting weirder and older. And I remember less and less. But I do remember the day that I went into Grumpy Coffee on 7th Avenue. And I did the wholly inexcusable thing of commenting upon the barista's appearance. In this case, it was a young woman. Look, this is what this one's about, right? No one in service industry needs to hear your your even your compliments never mind neutral comments but she was wearing overalls and i swear to you what i believed to be the funniest joke of all time materialized in my mind such that i a weird dad could not help but tell it and i said i believe you deserve an award in the category of overall excellence and she did not laugh. And she said to me, nice dad joke. And that is how I died. I'm speaking to you now from the grave. Dad jokes. Episode 265. Dad nauseam. Dad Kevin tells the same joke to service industry employees wherever he goes. His son Daniel wants him to stop. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to that joke now. So... What he'll do is, uh, regardless of where he is, the first thing he'll say to whoever's serving him is, I'll have the Kung Pao chicken. Now, this could be at a toll booth or, you know, the movie theater. But you know what? It's, it's getting really old, and not just me. Lots of people have gotten a little bit tired of it. Kevin, do you really go to toll booths and say, I'll have the Kung Pao chicken? <laughs> yeah, I, that's one of my favorite, uh, you know, Recently went to a theme park, and as I pulled up to the booth and saw the exorbitant amount being charged, I looked at him and I said, hmm, I'll, I'll have the Kung Pao chicken. And I always get a, a hearty laugh, and it doesn't get me in the parking free, but it it uh, gets a laugh. You always, you always get, 100% of the time, get a hearty laugh, from the, especially well, from the people who are who are imprisoned in booths. <laughs> I mean, a I literal captive a... audience of one. When you say a hearty laugh, are you referring to the laugh that you laugh after you say it? Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. 
the the joy of the Kung Pao line is it's the absolute opposite of what you would typically say, and it sounds delightful, doesn't it? Kung Pao. I mean, it just it just is. I don't know how my family isn't delighted by it, and delighted delighted to see the response out of those who are hearing it. You did not answer my bailiff's question. Are you the one laughing or the person who is trapped in a booth forced to deal with you laughing? <laughs> I think I will laugh if the recipient laughs. Not 100% of the time. Yeah. The po- so basically you're saying you don't, you don't notice what they're doing at all. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, Daniel, your father has claimed 100% enjoyment of this joke time and time again. Do you dispute that? Assertion? Uh, I surely do. Can you describe a time when your father has requested the Kung Pao chicken and it didn't it did not bring joy to the person who was attempting to take his toll or give him a parking ticket? If if I'm gonna be generous, I'll from what I've seen, I'll I'll give him a fifty fifty of wow. of you know, the the <laughs> the person maybe just smiling or the person just saying, Wow, really? <laughs> Oh man! I, I think he has selective memory. I think he remembers um, the maybe the one person who actually laughed out loud, and he pastes that over every you know following encounter. It's interesting. So you you are counter asserting a zero to one percent hearty laugh rate compared to his one hundred percent, and the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. Ha- yeah, hearty laugh is a strong. Term. I mean, I'm thinking of a, a belly laugh. <laughs> like your dad's enjoying right now. Uh, Kevin, you have an infectious laugh. And <laughs> I also have to say uh, that when, when you delivered the line in your dramatic recreation of your parking lot experience, yeah, I kind of chuckled. It was pretty good delivery. You've got to. You've got to be alive. You have to chuckle. Well, no, I... <laughs> It needs to be so off the wall that it breaks the arduous tasks that the food food provider or the toll booth operator is experiencing. So, oh, so you're doing it as a favor to them? I kind of, kind of. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're like a Johnny Appleseed traveling the nation, sowing mirth <laughs> in our toll booths by tossing bon mots their way. His folkloric name would not be Johnny Appleseed; it would be Kung Pao Kevin. <laughs> I like that. I uh, I was taking my daughter back to college one night, and I we decided to get yogurt. And so we're in this long line, and the gal was just exhausted and just hating life. So I get up there, look at the board, and say, hmm, I'll have the Kung Pao chicken. And I tell you, she laughed and is still probably laughing to this day. And... She's still probably laughing to this day. <laughs> she said thank you for that. You bro- you're saying that you broke her brain? <laughs> All right, I, I interrupted and, you, sir. Go ahead. You, okay. She said so, thank you for that. She said thank you for that. That made my day. And I said, well, you're welcome. And my daughter, who is one of the, would be a plaintiff if she was here. Right. I said, Rachel, you have to admit, she got a kick out of that. And she said, yeah, Papa. So I think the good overwhelms the bad. <laughs> what do you acknowledge that there is bad? There can be. I've I've said it I can remember saying it three or four straight times 
And the young food servers just looked at me. I think one looked at me as if I was getting dementia and thought, oh, this poor guy doesn't know where he's at. Uh Uh So I was really starting to think, well, maybe the family has a point. But then I laid it on someone and the hearty laugh pursued and I it was like a my meter was recharged and and it's back. So <laughs> you got you got your kung pao groove back. <laughs> I can't tell you how much um positive energy I've received from many, many different people wishing me luck in this case. Oh really? Do you have like a petition that you've had signatures? <laughs> it might as well be. You're talking about your brother and your sister, but anyone else? My brother, my sister, you? coworkers, my stepmom, my yeah, it goes on and on. Your coworkers? Correct. So I work with Kevin. Uh, we work in the mortgage industry, real estate, and uh, wow. no wonder you're such a barrel of laughs. <laughs> the people we work with have heard the kung pao uh, just as often as I mean uh, the rest of us, the family. So, and what context are they hearing the kung pao line? Mostly at our lunch, you know, if we'll go out and grab a bite. All right. When a client, you, so you are mortgage brokers? Correct. Is your mortgage brokery called Kevin and Dan? Kevin and Dan's mortgage? No, I wish. That's a good idea. Is it called, is it called father and son mortgage? It could be here soon. <laughs> is it called Kung, pa, Kung Pao? Kung Pao Finance Factory. There we go. Kung Pao Finance Factory. Holy cats. That is a brand I would love to buzz market. I don't think I would trust that outfit to <laughs> my loan. <laughs> Are you kidding me, you guys? If I had a choice between, you know, Universal Mortgage, which is, I think, the place where I got my mortgage, and Kung Pao Finance Factory? <laughs> You'd go in Universal. Are you kidding me? I go to KPFF. <laughs> can we can abbreviate it? Yeah. What is it that you're ordering me to do exactly? I'm just saying. If you win this case, if I find in your favor, what is my order? I'll let you bring I, up your other point, but I want to get this down out, out, out there obviously right now. The most agreeable to me would be an immediate cease and don't, desist don't say on the Kung Pao line. Oh, man. What bothers you more? The joke being repeated over and over again, or the joke existing at all? What bothers me uh, the most is not even that he does the joke over and over again. And he does it when, you know, none of us are around. He'll do it just by himself. What bothers me (laughs) is that he knows that it irks us so much that it causes us such discomfort that he'll even tell us about the times he used it when we weren't there and the response Ah. he got. (laughs) He reads you. He reads you his kung pao chicken joke diary. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. He'll come home and say, "Oh, you should have been there. I, I ordered a burrito. I asked for the kung pao chicken. The kid, his face lit up. Oh, he should have been there. It was great." And we're forced to relive this moment over and over, even when we are not there. It's rough. Do you ever suspect that your father is lying? <laughs> When he's like, <laughs> oh, no doubt. No doubt. He, oh, wow. I know that you guys didn't see the snuffleupagus of everybody enjoying my joke. <laughs> I swear he was right here. It just happened. It might not necessarily have to be characterized as a lie, Judge Hodgman. I mean, it could be that he's seeing the world through 
laugh-colored glasses. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not so much that he doesn't. It's it's if he gets one good reaction, which he does get, that will last him. You know, making twenty other people uncomfortable. He'll still think it's worth it. Okay. And he'll go after it. Judge, judge, I have to break in. Please. These these numbers being thrown about are completely false. I would say I've, and I'm not exaggerating. When I go to Starbucks and order a latte, I say it every time. I would, I would say, ninety nine percent of the people taking that order laugh, and I, I swear that's true. Is this the same Starbucks every time? No, it's different Starbucks. You say these numbers are all off. There is no data. Why should I believe you when you say the numbers are all off? If I said this and, and was getting blank stares, like Daniel says I get, and wasn't getting the response that I say I've been getting, I wouldn't do it because, like, like he said, I will do it when no one's around, and I do it all the time because I think that person, that Starbucks server has never heard that before and they laugh. They think it's clever and then it opens up other dialogue and it's just, it's just a, it's just a delight. And, and a fear of mine is that, that your listeners will also use this and it won't be that novel. It's an, it's an actual fear. You're afraid you're burning your material? Yeah, this is like my baby, and I'm afraid that it's going to be, you know. You wouldn't say that your son is your baby? <laughs> well, first the Kung Pao, then, then me and the other, the other children. <laughs> I'll have the Kung Pao chicken. I mean, it's just, it's a legendary phrase at this point. Someone sent me a picture of Kung Pao chicken on Twitter, and, I, and, and probably because my mind is failing. It, I think, like, it took me a day to understand they were making a reference to this case. You got you to gotta spell it out a little bit for me. Don't just send me a picture of Kung Pao chicken. I'll just be looking at delicious Kung Pao chicken and thinking I want to eat it. All right, let's get back in the catalog now to the 100s. In episode 144, Father Gnaw's Beast, sisters Kim and Jen bring the case against their dad, Rick. They're at odds with him when it comes to ordering food for the whole family because Kim is a vegetarian and Rick loves meat and when listening to this next bit it's important important context to know that rick's nickname around the house is the pig all right let's listen to kim and jen and the pig pick this bone now rick yes are you aware that your daughter kim is a vegetarian oh yes right. Do you <laughs> she have... became a vegetarian may 3rd 1999 a day that lives in infamy so let's say hypothetically, let's stick to the to the to the Chinese restaurant cuisine. How many entrees would you order? Normally, we'd order four. Does that do you, do you do you object, Kim or Jen? Is that about right? Yeah, that is about right. That's about right. It is so hard for me not to call you Jim and Ken right now. I'm having such a <laughs> such a difficulty with this. Kim and Jen, that is about right. And what percentage of those? Uh, do you think should have meat? And what percentage of those do you think should be vegetarian, Rick? Um, well, I think that um, Kimberly should certainly have one dish that she can eat. I mean, then I'm not a monster. Um, I will decide and, that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we should have, uh, out of four dishes, we should have two or three that are uh, meat. But one of my biggest objections is that Kimberly will 
order vegetables that I won't eat. Ah, uh, what vegetables will you not eat, sir? Just really nasty ones like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, some green beans, green beans, asparagus, artichokes, <laughs> things like that. What are the vegetables? What What are the vegetables you will eat? Is it just dandelion greens? <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. I won't eat those. They're bitter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, I, you know, I eat normal vegetables: cabbage and uh, um, uh, any color of pepper. Although green is the worst one. Uh, eggplant. Um, you know. Uh, zucchini, uh, squashes. So a lot of squashes. No other squashes. Squashes borderline. Squashes kind of borderline. Okay, I'm trying to find potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Okay, I, I'm trying to find some some method to your madness here. Mushrooms. Yeah, okay, that's a f- uh, yeah. But but what about leafy green vegetables? Well, those are the kind. I don't like the overly green or the really hardcore kind of vegetables. No, okay. And what about like if you go to a steakhouse, will you get creamed spinach? God no. Okay, Rick, you may leave. I find in Jim, Jim and Ken's favor. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? Why I not? Find in favor of the scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I, not... I want the record to show that. Um, I, you just have to look at me and see that I'm meant to be carnivorous. I have very pointy canine teeth. I have type O blood, which is the most primitive kind of blood. Mm-hmm. And I have um, low cholesterol and I have award-winning triglycerides. My doctor said I have the lowest triglycerides he's ever seen. So <laughs> your argument essentially is that like a Shiba Inu, you're a primitive breed? Uh, well, I don't know about that, but uh, I, I, I think I'm meant to eat meat. I think Did, meat agrees with me. What is your opposition to broccoli? Ah, uh, is it nasty. T- texture or flavor? Try to talk as though you are not talking to yourself for once. <laughs> <laughs> Try to talk uh, as though you are trying to explain to another human being how you feel. Well, it's the texture, the mm-hmm. flavor, mm-hmm. okay, the uh, appearance. Have you actually ever eaten broccoli? By mistake, once. What year was that? Uh, it's like sometime in the 70s. So you would be happy just eating meat all the all the live long day. Is that correct? No, that's not really true. Mm-hmm. I, I like non-nasty vegetables. I like uh, potatoes. I can like, we stop uh, saying non-nasty vegetables? Why don't you just say certain vegetables? We don't have to have a value judgment placed on it. Okay, all right. I'll try. Potatoes and steak. Yes, I love potatoes. Right. Tomatoes? Uh, cooked. Cooked tomatoes in a sauce? Uh, yes, tomato like on, sauce. Like on a chicken parm? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. sure. A tuber and a fruit, respectively, for those keeping score at home. Yeah. What about legumes? How do you feel about legumes? Beans? Oh, I love legumes. I love, I, I'll eat any bean that exists except green beans, which aren't really beans. They're immature bean pods. And uh, what percentage of your Chinese meal do you think, Kim, should be vegetarian dishes? Well, Rick has, sister, Rick has suggested 25, and then I think because he knows that he's losing this case, he then suggested 50%. Could be yeah. something that you <laughs> could really, eat. I don't really necessarily believe that he would agree to 50%. And, uh-huh. you know, one problem is that if it, had, if it was actually, like, even if I just get one dish at a Chinese restaurant, he wants to refuse to let me get, you know, broccoli with garlic sauce or, like, green beans, Szechuan string beans or anything that he would consider... Uh, you know, a nasty vegetable. A nasty vegetable. Could I uh, enter some evidence in my favor in this case? Go ahead. Part of my objection is that um, I am the one who often eats the leftovers. So 
if uh, I don't mind getting vegetarian things if they're vegetables that I'll eat and the, the leftovers won't get thrown away. I see. Because you're a human you garbage pail. Because you're a human garbage pail, you get to eat whatever you want. That's my role <laughs> in the family, among others. What is your favorite meat to eat, sir? Uh, probably beef tongue. You are hardcore, my friend. In fact, um, Kimberly's dog, Gambit, um, we bond over meat. Oh, sure. And uh, once in a while, like maybe once a month, we'll have uh, you noche both, de la lengua. Yeah, you both, eat, uh, you both eat pig's ears, for example. That too, yeah. <laughs> yes. And we'll, we'll, we'll cook a tongue and you know, eat it together. And, you and the dog? Uh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to be as weird a dad as you are, sir. <laughs> Jen, you introduced some evidence as well, some photos of your dad, also known as Pig. Correct. Okay, so here yes. we have we have a picture here, and these will all, of course, be on the MaximumFun.org website, the Judge John Hodgman portion thereof. Here we have uh, 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 evidence marked A, the pig, that's your father, eating a heaping plate of turkey, while wearing one of his favorites, a turkey leg T-shirt. And this, in case you you don't have a chance to look at the website, is just a T-shirt that says turkey leg on it and has a picture of a turkey leg. This shirt was procured from Disney World, where he once bought... All right. He once brought a clean sock with him. Kim, will you... What, what happened with a sock? Uh, well, so whenever we go to this... Uh florida theme park my my dad likes to always get the turkey legs and it's like a big thing like it's you know he talks about it the whole way there and everything sure and so it's the only it's the only it's the only place in the world you can get them right of course um and so he's you know sniffing around the park all day trying to find the turkey leg cart and he finally finds it and he sits down and eats part of it and then he pulls out of his backpack which he carries around with him all the time um a sock that he had specifically you know, laundered and brought with him to carry his turkey leg around in? Well, there was a plastic bag inside it. There was a plastic bag inside the sock? You had lined the sock? Well, this was actually an impromptu uh, emergency measure. I bought a turkey leg at the cart, and we were going on a ride, and I I couldn't um, carry it in openly. I had to conceal it. So uh, I asked them for a doggy bag. They... Looked like they didn't know what I was talking about, and uh, so in an, in in an emergency, I, I found a clean sock and a, a plastic bag, and put the turkey leg in the bag and put the bag in the sock. How in an emergency did you find a clean sock in a plastic bag? In his backpack. In my backpack. I, I have see. lots of things in my backpack. He also keeps emergency uh, iron rations, as he calls them, in his backpack at all times. What is that? Is just a bag of beef jerky. <laughs> I see. Rick, what does the term glomming on mean to you? Just, uh, oh, you, you're probably referring to the uh, pizza ordering. Yes, that's part uh, of the complaint as well. Well, we go to a pizza restaurant, which I won't name, um, a locally, you know, a locally owned pizza restaurant with some of the best pizza in the world, this being Chicago, of course. I have uh, no and, idea what uh, you're talking about. Go on. <laughs> He's talking about some of the best casseroles in the world. Some of the best pizza anyway. casseroles? Some of the best pizza hot dish in the world? All right, next. You were saying, all right, so you're ordering pizza. Okay, so we're ordering pizza, and I kind of, I like to get a, um, a steak uh, on the side and just glom onto somebody else's pizza, but... Uh, what? I can't do that if they have um, ingredients that I won't eat. I won't call them nasty. <laughs> so, Kim, w- w- yes. 
what is what is he what does your weird dad mean by glomming on uh by glomming on he means that he wants to order his own giant plate of steak and potatoes mm-hmm. and usually he orders um this really meaty nacho dish mm-hmm. at that restaurant as mm-hmm. well as an appetizer nacho mm-hmm. charlie's dream and then he wants to um be able to- <laughs> what did what was that little thing you just threw in there sir it's a wonderful dish it's called nacho charlie's dream and w- <laughs> and what is nacho charlie's dream Nacho Charlie's dream is uh, nachos covered with cheese, covered with chili. Oh. Actually, I think the chili comes first and then the cheese. And then you try to steal some pizza, too? And then he tries to dictate what we get on our pizza. Dictate's a strong word. Dictate is a true word. <laughs> um, veto. Rick, when you choose your the meat that you eat, do you, uh, do you uh, pay any mind to where it comes from? Um, well, I don't really like to think about it too much. Mm -hmm. I I do have uh, problems with the modern state of animal husbandry, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't like uh, factory farming, Mm -hmm. although I think it has brought a lot of cheap food to a lot of people throughout the world and it's probably prevented some (laughs) famine, but I, I have some moral problems with eating meat, but, you know, we're animals too. We're clearly intended to eat meat. Do you ever make any any um, choices about where your source you meet based on your dislike of factory farming? Uh, I think I have to say no. Okay, that's fair. Just, just I was just curious as to what degree, to, to what amount of thought you have given to uh, but, to your. But I, I try very hard not to waste anything. You know, I hardly ever throw anything away. I, I pride myself at being able to use things that other people might consider spoiled. Learned what? a lot of tricks, you know, like washing off the surface of meat that is slightly uh, over the hill and, you know, uh, boiling at first and things like that. So, you know, this is, I, I, I try not to waste. I really hesitate to comment at all on the relative food safety of Spoiled meat that you have washed. <laughs> without Alton Brown here to comment. Uh, so I am just going to tell our listeners that Rick's saying that washing spoiled meat makes it good to eat is, does not necessarily connote approval by this podcast or an instruction to you. I haven't thrown up since April 15th, 1985. Well, <laughs> now, hang on a second. You're not. You've you've brought up dates a couple of times, very specific memories from dates. And it, another thing that I wasn't going to bring up, but now I feel I must, was Kim submitted your uh, your Tumblr as oh, a, yes. as a point of possible interest. And this Tumblr, which I don't mind, buzz marketing, is this, okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, let me do it then. This day in pig history. Tumblr.com. and. It's a very it's a very minimal tumbler. Yesterday's entry was Monday in 1999. Hill cooking chicken. I presume Hill is your wife. Yes, right. Hillary. Hillary cooking chicken. Jen asks, "Are you in the shaking or baking stage?" <laughs> Monday in 1979, New Year's Eve. Hill, Duke, and I seek open restaurant. Strike out at Beef Roast Inn and Chicago Claim Company. Duke yes. has suggestion, go to Gulliver's first time, it open, have pizza, and grand slammer. How do you account for this perfect recall of these days in history? Well, I also keep a, a, a journal. 
I, I see. I've started keeping a journal on January 1st, 1960, and I, you know, have kept it pretty regularly ever since. 19, this Tuesday in 1995, Dream Gen has new Mariah Carey album. She plays me three songs, Ringling, Bun, and Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> I, let me just, where is the follow button on this? Yes, I'm going to follow this Tumblr right away. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, let's take another break. When we return, weird dad ideas about language and ventriloquist dummies. It's probably the greatest tease in the podcast history. I'm, I would come back. I mean, I'm contractually obligated to come back after the break, but but you stick around. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Remember that tease? Language and ventriloquist dummies? Well, we're going to deal with it right now. We're nearing the end of our trip down Weird Dad Memory Lane. Up next fan favorite we heard from melissa and her father mark in episode 394 jurisdiction melissa says that mark intentionally mispronounces words and brand names in order to get on her nerves typical weird dad trick mark says this is just how i spikes meaning speaks what kind of words and brand names you ask let's find out <laughs> melissa you bring the case against your dad what's going on he has his own ways of pronouncing certain words that I believe are just incorrect. Mm -hmm. And yet he insists that they are alternate pronunciations um, when I just, I don't think they're really alternate pronunciations. I think they're, they're just wrong. Well, in the case of robot, for example, will you say that word mm -hmm. again for me, sir, Mark? Robot. Right. Robot. Robot. Yeah, that is an alternate pronunciation. Uh, that it has has been defined by usage, Rod Serling. It is primarily used by podcast half comedians like me and Jesse to be a I joke. I actually don't think he's saying it the same way you're saying it, sir. Are you saying I can't believe my own mechanical ears? I think he's actually saying a, a different alternate pronunciation that is maybe 
less well-known than the one you are saying. <laughs> than the archaic sort of jokey pronunciation that I'm using? Okay. Well, you're seated there with your dad at Argo <laughs> Studios in New York City, correct? Yes, I am. All right. Are you within poking distance of him? Could you poke him in the arm? I can poke him in the hand. Okay. <laughs> I want you to poke your dad. And each time you poke him, I want him to say the word R-O-B-O-T and do that two or three times so I can hear it a couple of times. But you have to poke okay. him to make him do it like he's a robot himself. Okay. Robot. 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 Thank you. I have my new ringtone. I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I, you know, I stand, I stand corrected as much as I hate to say it, Melissa. That, that is a slightly different pronunciation than... <laughs> Jesse's and my robot, that is, it's more like robot, robot, robot. There's almost a, a on the row, even. <laughs> There's some other words that I have a list of here that Melissa has submitted in her evidence, and I'm going to spell them, and then Melissa, poke your father three times, and sir, you pronounce the word three times. Are you ready, you guys? This is going to be a fun game. Okay. R-E-F-U-G-E. Refuge, refuge, refuge. S-A-L-S-A. Salsa, salsa, salsa. P-R-O-G-R-A-M. Program, program, program. O-U-T-S-I-D-E. Outside, outside, outside. D-A-I-R. R-Y. Dairy. 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 Thank you very much. Jesse, I think we have a whole new Max Fun podcast here. Yeah. Just <laughs> Learn to speak bad English. No. <laughs> Just hypnotize yourself with Melissa's dad. I was really into that. I was The hairs were starting to rise up on my forearms. Or as you would say, sir, forearms. Forearms. <laughs> forearms. Dairy sounded pretty good to me. Melissa, what's your complaint with that last one? D-A-I-R-Y. Instead of dairy, he says dairy. Like it, it would be spelled D-E-R-R-Y. That sounded pretty good to me. Okay. That complaint is stricken from the record. But there were some other unusual ones there. And you say that he chooses to do this. Mark, is that true? Are you choosing to pronounce these things? Or were you raised pronouncing these words in this slightly different way? Well, I think I've said them that way my whole life. I don't think I just said one day, let me start changing pronunciations to annoy Melissa. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with annoying Melissa. No, of course. Sir. Um, <laughs> but I didn't set out with that purpose. So I think these are the ways I say these words. So this is not done intentionally. Melissa, do you believe him? No. Uh, oh, all right. Your dad is a liar. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I think he's aware that no one else says words that way and he still chooses to say them that way anyway because when I've brought up in the past that I think those are not correct pronunciations, he continues to say them that way. So I think that that is therefore a choice. But is it just pronunciation or are there other language issues that you have with your dad? So besides some of these words, uh, it's not exactly the same thing, but I feel like the underlying issue is the same. Um, there's a brand of soda. You can say brand names now. We we no longer okay. tie ourselves into canots around that. <laughs> okay. Um, one of his favorite sodas to drink is Coke Zero. Mm -hmm. And 
he insists on calling it zero coke <laughs> and reversing the order of the words. <laughs> it was actually named after zero mostel. <laughs> <laughs> It just drives me bonkers. I mean, because he drinks that a lot and he'll, we'll be out and he'll order zero Coke or he'll say he's going to the fridge to get a zero Coke. And that's just not what it's called. All right. Would you say that the primary thing about it that drives you bonkers is how much more fun your dad is than you? Oh. Because zero Coke (laughs) is a home run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what? Harsh but fair. Bailiff Jesse Thorne. I would not say that that has anything to do with who is more fun. Well, but here is the thing. This is a situation where, unlike the mispronunciation of words, changing the name of a known brand product could cause slight damage in so far as it might confuse service personnel. Sir, Mm -hmm. why do you call Coke Zero, which is, by the way, called Coke Zero, Zero Coke? What is your... Weird dad theory for why you are right and the rest of the world is wrong, including Coca-Cola. Well, actually, Coca-Cola would understand that I'm right if they would just ask me about it because they have Diet Coke and they have Cherry Coke and they have Vanilla Coke and they have Zero Coke. It makes total sense. They're the ones who seem to have accidentally mixed that one up and I'm just trying to set the record straight. And you sent in some evidence as well, which is a rather lengthy affidavit from your mother also decrying these pronunciations. It is so long that it feels like she's been waiting decades to write this. (laughs) So I can't read all of it, but I'll read a a little bit. I've been married for 37 years to a wonderful man who annoys me with his incorrect pronunciation. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about his charming New Orleans accent, which I love also, which I'm not sure exists, and which gets much stronger (laughs) when we visit that fair city. What annoys me the most is his purposeful changing of either pronunciation or word placement. Zero Coke instead of Coke Zero. And I think it's a power and control thing. He does it because he likes to see people's reactions. Hmm. Interesting. That's your mother, an assigned affidavit. Is that correct, Melissa? That is correct. Do you agree with her? I do. All right. Mark, can I have you pronounce a phrase for me? Sure. I'll have the Kung Pao chicken. I'll have the Kung Pao chicken. It does seem to roll right off his tongue, does it not, Jesse? (laughs) It does. Mark, uh, of course, I did not remember that his name was Mark because he is known throughout the land and the history of the court as Zero Coke Guy. Nice to re-meet you, Mark. If you want to hear about a more recent dispute between Melissa and Mark, oh yes, it goes on. Make sure to check out the recent docket clearing episode number 469, The Sponge Lever's Wife. Also has an incredible song in it. Finally, our last case. This is another fan favorite and for good reason. We met George and his dad, Tom, at our live show at San Francisco Sketch Fest in episode 245. The case was called Portrait of the Artist as a Weird Dad. Tom leaves strange photos in George's bunk bed while Tom's away at work. He's a flight attendant. And George doesn't want his dad to leave strange photos in his bunk bed. And by in his bunk bed, I mean, you know, in this, like he's on the bottom bunk and he looks up and in the slats, there are all these pictures. Well, I'll let the, the case speak for itself. What is it about these photos that you find disturbing such that you want me to prohibit them from being there? Um, they're just really creepy. Like, for example, 
there's like ma- overly made up circus clowns and. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sounds and, beautiful so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, many, many ventriloquist dummies. Did you say ventriloquist dummies? Did, did I hear you correctly? Ventriloquist dummies? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the universal symbol of affection. <laughs> I proposed to my wife with a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> Tom, why are you leaving pictures of ventriloquist dummies? Now, let me see if I understand this. These photos are being left, these photos and illustrations and images are being left for you, George. You sleep on the bottom bunk? Yeah, that's correct. Is there anyone in the top bunk, or are you a weird-only child like I was? (laughs) No. Who had Um, a bunk bed just to show off? (laughs) I have an older brother. An older brother. Yeah. So you're down there on the bottom bunk, and your dad puts these images... In the, uh, on the underside uh, of the top bunk, so you have to stare at them as you fall asleep. Yeah. Okay. Why are you doing this to your son? <laughs> okay. I'm not trying to be weird or different or weirdly different. I'm just like, oh, here's a cool photo. I bet George would like it. Where are you finding... <laughs> All these photos of ventriloquist dummies, sir. He's probably special just going, catalogs that you've ordered. One assumes he just goes to paternal attention, paternalaffectionpics.com. <laughs> Where do you find the images that you that you want to share with your son? Okay, that's an excellent question. The only kind I ask. <laughs> these are images that I just happened to encounter for whatever reason, and I'm like. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, that's what you just said. (laughs) I asked a specific, and I dare say, excellent question. Where are you sourcing these images? On the internet? Stand by. (laughs) I'll allow it. Standing by. Okay. I work for an airline as a flight attendant, and sometimes I'm gone for a long time. Sometimes these flights are very long. Go to Australia, it's about a 14-hour flight, longer. I read a lot of newspapers, and I'm like, ooh, that's kind of cool, and I might clip that out. Mm-hmm. I have a whole binder here full of folded <laughs> Oh, photos. don't think I haven't <laughs> clocked the binder you're holding. <laughs> and it's not just overly made-up clowns or ventriloqu- re- ventriloquist dummies, but... Wait till you see these dummies. Good night. I feel like I could walk out of that stage door into the wilderness and never be seen again knowing that my great contribution to culture was facilitating you saying, but wait till you see these dummies. (laughs) One of my most favorite moments of reality. (laughs) And the fact is, sir, we don't have to wait any longer because evidence was submitted, which we are going to put up on this screen. (laughs) 
These are all images that you have placed in George's bed. First image, please. <laughs> Tom, obviously we're recording this for podcast purposes, so Tom, either you or I are going to have to describe for the listener what we're looking at. Uh, Your Honor, I think the issue here is how do I view it versus how does my son view it? So Can we just say for the record what it is? Because I'm looking at it and even I'm not sure. Your Honor, it is a helmeted hornbill. A helmeted hornbill. Yes. And uh, this is a... That's science for nightmare bird. Right. It's, um, and this is a, a photo of an actual animal, not a monstrous puppet. Yeah. <laughs> this, I'm, I'm this sorry. This would be a great ventriloquist dummy, by the way. I am sorry if uh, nature's glory offends you. It does not offend me. It does not. It, it, <laughs> why did you choose this to show to your son directly before he falls asleep. Stand by. Stand by. That's another excellent question. It's kind of my thing. (laughs) This animal, as you can see from its helmeted hornbill, is um, unfortunately hunted for its bill, and it's actually more precious, more valuable than ivory, and it's becoming uh, on the brink of extinction. It's um, indigenous to Malaysia and Borneo, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, of course it's bizarre, and I thought, well, let me put that up there, and (laughs) then... Stand by. Instead of him... My ideal is instead of him coming and saying, as he always does, what is this? Don't put this in my bed. I would prefer that he would say, oh, wow. Dad, tell me more about this curious bird. Let's go to the next image. Now, for the, for the viewer at home, for the listener at home, this is a, a photo, it looks like from the late 60s, early 70s, of a man with a unibrow and a very short bow tie smoking a cigarette in front of a Christmas tree. Is this a, a relative of some kind or a, an uh, uncle? Or? That is a Greek tailor. For those listening at home, we did not edit anything out. (laughs) The silence that you heard after that is a Greek tailor, full stop, was intentional. Apparently, Tom believes that's the only context I need. (laughs) George, did you know this was a Greek tailor when you saw it in your bed? Nope. What was the Greek tailor? It's kind of a long story. 
But you asked. It doesn't where, have to be. You asked. You asked where my. Once upon a time in Greece, there was a boy <laughs> whose father was a tailor. You asked where where do you get these images from? Sometimes magazines, newspapers. Sometimes from the internet. Now I used to live in a town, and I knew this guy. He was a Greek tailor. And is that a picture of him? That is a picture of him. Oh, okay, phew. <laughs> Anyhow, somehow, I looked him up, and there was a whole photo album of his photos, and I went back and back and back, and I'm like, wow, this guy is like the quintessential 1974 Greek tailor. <laughs> At Christmas time. You're right. Thank you. Thank I really you. Think that old stereotype. <laughs> Judge Hodgman, I think that more than anything else, this speaks to the deficiencies of the common core. <laughs> They're like, when are children learning about prototypical Greek tailors? You're, you know what, Jesse? Your tie is shorter than a Greek tailor at Christmas time. Sorry, I simply sorry, don't understand the reference. Yeah. All right, next image. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. This image to me looks like me on my birthday. What's up? A hairless rodent of some kind. I don't know if it's a... Na it's not a naked mole rat, is it? I, I think that's what it is, yes. Yeah, okay. It's, rec it's reclining <laughs> on what looks like a, a little naked mole rat-sized armchair in a rec room, and it's covered by an afghan, and he's got kind of a self-satisfied grin. Yeah, I mean, Judge Hodgman, I think it's fair to characterize this naked mole rat as cheesing. Your boy's definitely cheesing. The thought behind this one, Tom? Just looks cool. Yeah! <laughs> Do we have any more? Do we have any more? That Next one? That is so metal. Yeah. So this is an image of... Um, it, it looks like some kind of figurine of a small Asian... Well, I want to say boy, but it's looks like a, a Jeff, it's, It looks like a Jeff Koontz sculpture of Kim Jong-un. Yeah. <laughs> and also a post-it message from father to son saying, George, you look good. You, you do look good, George. You do look good, George. Thank you. Yeah. But, but you, smoke. so, and anything you want to say about this one, Tom? Yeah, two things. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, I believe this is a piece of artwork from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just like to stuff beans up George's nose, and that's what this is. Like, hey, check it out. It's a classic um, example of him stuffing beans up George's nose. So you're just teasing your son uh, with this one. Good no, stuffing good... beans up his nose, Judge Hodgman. Are you even listening? <laughs> I, under I understand weird dad talk, as do you, but I'm trying to explain for a listener at home who may not understand what stuffed beans up your nose means. Uh, did you have any thoughts about this one, George? Um, when you saw this, did you feel like you got your nose bean stuffed? No, I didn't think my nose was stuffed with beans. 
Um, I just saw a picture of a shiny boy <laughs> and a note that says, you look good. And I do not appreciate that. Would you prefer there to be nothing there? Maybe like a poster of my choice of something I like. Like what? What do you like? Uh, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, that's what's up. John, does it terrify you to imagine that your son might look at a sports poster instead of a poster of obscure ventriloquist dummies and clowns? That does not terrify me. He has a lot of uh, Golden State Warriors paraphernalia all over his wall. Right. The other walls and the door, that's cool. So let's just leave that space above the bunk bed for me. Ugh, I totally remember that night. I totally remember talking with Tom after backstage at Marines Memorial Theater about his leaving those pictures for his son while he was flying all around the world. That was back when we did that kind of thing. I totally fell for him. I also really, I really plugged him for a lot of information about what it's like to be a flight attendant because I find that fascinating. Tom, if you're out there, I know you're probably, I hope you're, I hope you're, flying safe if you're flying at all if you got some time on your hands let me know how it's been going flight attendants love them all right that's it for our weird dad retrospective our producer is jennifer marmer to discuss the show on twitter make sure to hashtag your judge john hodgman tweets hashtag jjho you can also hashtag your instagram posts or your tiktoks or whatever follow me on twitter though at hodgman follow me personally on instagram at john hodgman follow the show for all of our evidence and fun sentence stuff on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Should be pretty clear. We'll be posting some of our favorite evidence from these ads there and check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode at maximumfun.reddit.com. That's maximumfun.reddit.com. Submit your cases at maximumfun.org slash JJHO. Or guess what? You can just email me, hodgman at maximumfun.org. We will not see you next time. I have to make an adjustment. This is a podcast. You should know that when, when Jesse Thorne says, we'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, that's not because we've had secret cameras installed. It's not like we can watch you when you're listening. You're safe to be yourself, to dress however you feel. But I will enjoy talking to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.